like my dad said, uh, my name is Zach. Um, I'm on staff here at Calvary Chapel, Thousand Oaks, and uh, I do the junior high ministry. I teach and I shepherd your junior high kids, and I'll tell you what, I mean, that is the best blessing that I, I've ever had personally. And so I'm, I'm excited to talk to you guys. Uh, Rob asked me to speak. I was in between classes at Cal State Channel Islands, and I was just about to go to my class, and Rob called me, and he's just like, what are you doing Sunday? And I'm like, well, I'm here, Rob, I work for you. <laughs> and you know, um, he's like, well, get somebody to teach your junior high kids because you're teaching the main service. I'm like, and he, and he gave me three rules. He said, don't be controversial. He said, he said, yeah, don't, don't, you know, don't preach that it's works that get you into heaven, you know, and all, all this stuff. And then, and then he said, don't puke. That was, that was the second rule. And don't faint. All right, so, so these are the only three rules that he gave me. So he gave me, like, free reign of everyone else. So when I was thinking, man, well, if everything else, like, is, you know, I'm a go, then, you know, why don't I have them do games like I do with junior hires all the time? <laughs> so everybody stand. No, I'm just kidding. Don't worry about it. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. It's a blessing to be here. And I'm excited. This is my first time teaching here. Um, so I'm nervous, but I'm excited and uh, let's get into God's Word. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you guys being all over the place. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand, and uh, the elders will get them to you. And we are going to be in Matthew chapter 4 to start out with. Matthew chapter 4, and we're going to start at verse 18. We're only going to do a couple verses in this chapter. And I'm going to have you put your fingers in a couple other places. Okay, we're going to be all over the Word today. I love, like hip-hopping and going all over the place, you know, inside of the Bible, because I love how it just all fits together. Um, So you're going to put your finger in Matthew chapter 14 as well, as well as Matthew chapter 4, and you're going to do John chapter 21. Those are are the three passages we're going to be in today. Okay, I'll give you a fair warning before we go in, so you guys can turn to there, but please, for the beginning, stand for the reading of the Word. We're going to be seeing God's call, Jesus' call to his disciples, two specific disciples, one specifically we're going to be focusing on this morning. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. This is important, verse 19. Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this morning, Lord, a morning where we can gather and we can worship you, Lord, with our mouths and singing and proclaiming your name, but we can also worship you by reading and learning about you in your holy word, Lord. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would be upon this place this morning. Father, there's nothing inside of me that is worthy of proclaiming your name, Lord, besides you yourself inside of me, Lord. Jesus, you are the author of our lives and our salvation, Father, and I just pray that you would guide us and you would shepherd us this morning in your word and in your truth, Father. I pray that your love would be shown this morning. God, I pray that I would decrease so that you could increase, Lord. And so, God, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a seat. Relax. To put this in context, I, I, I want to I explain to you the Hebrew culture back then. 
um, Jesus' time and Peter's time and Andrew's time and, and how they, they kind of grew up. Some of you may, may have heard this type of history before, but uh, this was new to me when I discovered it. And so I, I want to share it with you. Um, the Hebrews in Jesus' time, they believed that the Torah was everything. Okay, the first five books of the Bible and then the entire Old Testament as well. They believed it was everything. It was inspired word of God living and breathing for their lives. And they, they, their entire focus, the way they ate, the way they married, the way they even dressed, the way they raised their children, all of it was centered on the word of God and the Torah. It was, it was the complete center of the Hebrew culture and all of their lives. It was their life. Okay? And at the, at the age of 10, I mean, sorry, at the age of 6, every boy would go to a school called, called Bet Sefer. Okay, this was called the house of the book. Okay, and they, from ages 6 to 10, they would, in, they would study the entire Torah. And by age 10, they would have memorized the entire Torah, word for word, verse by verse. They memorized the entire Torah. This is how dedicated, by the age of 10, by the age of 10, they had memorized everything. Every, every boy had memorized the Torah. After the age of 10, after Betsefer, the cream of the crop, the best of the best of this school, okay, they would move on to the elite schools called Bet Talmud. I'm trying to pronounce it right. I, I asked P- Pastor Marty before if I was pronouncing everything right. Um, but this means house of learning. It was there where they would memorize the entire Old Testament, just Genesis through Malachi. Okay, these, these 13, 14-year-old kids memorizing the entire Old Testament word for word. This is how important, this was the center of Hebrew culture. And this is how, this is how boys defined themselves. This is how they found success, where they found identity. You know, I, I have a lot of students, you know, that they define themselves based on their sport or, or, or based on how good they are, you know, their grades or whatever it is. Some of us, we, we base our success um, on our job, our income. They define themselves on how far they went in this Hebrew schooling and how much they knew about the Lord. This was how they would define themselves, the best of the best. They would go to Bet Talmud, house of learning, and they would study commentaries from their favorite rabbis. They would study on different rabbis. And they would study commentaries, and they would study commentaries. And by the time they hit 14, they would, uh, all, the cream of the crop of that, you see, there's, there's certain levels. Like, this is now like the Harvard students, right? These, these are the Yale students, okay? They would go, and they present themselves in front of a rabbi and say, I love the way you handle the Torah. I want to follow you. I, I, I want to be your disciple. I want to do everything that you do. I want to follow where you, where you go. Where you go, I want to go. What you eat, I want to eat. What you learn, I want to learn. What you teach, I want to teach. I, I, I want to be like you. I want every single speck of dust that falls off of your cloak to fall on mine. Because you are amazing. You know, this, like, the rabbis were the idols back then for this 14-year-old young man who was just like, oh, it was just... Their rabbi, okay? I mean, there were different rabbis. I mean, we all know that they, they all knew that you're supposed to keep the Sabbath holy and that you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath, but, but what does work mean? You know, these, these were the types of things where certain rabbis would hold different worldviews. Worldviews. And so these students, they'd be like, I love 
your worldview. I want to take upon your worldview. I want to take upon your yoke. I want to take upon your yoke. And they say, I love the way you handle the Bible. Please, please accept me. Please take me. Please disciple me. Please teach me. Please, Rabbi. And just a few, just a few of those students. These are the students that are the highest, like the Apostle Paul. He was one of these students. The ones that would later on become rabbis and later on become Pharisees and Sadducees. It was these kids. And the rabbi would take one look at, at, at all these students and he would pick one or two, two at the most, but he'd pick usually one and he'd say, Lek acharai, follow me. Follow me. And so finally, these, these kids, oh my gosh, that, that was it. This, they have arrived. The rabbi of their dreams has taken them, up, has, has taken them on. This is it. For the students who didn't make it past age 10, who didn't make it past Beth Sefer, they're basically kicked out and said, hey, hey you're not that smart. <laughs> you're, yeah, you're nice. You're sweet. Go, go, go to your father's trade. Go to your father's trade. That in father's trade, you know, those at age 10 who couldn't make it past to the house of learning, they, they would... They would take upon their father's trade, which would be blacksmith, tent maker, tailor, fisherman. So you can imagine how Peter got to become a fisherman. He didn't make it. He didn't make it. He wasn't good enough. He wasn't smart enough. He didn't have what it took. So go, Peter, (laughs) go fish. Not for you. Maybe one day you can have babies and they can become rabbis. But you, no. You be a fisherman. You know, Peter's world wasn't much different from ours though, right? I mean, in a, in a world where you have to have a degree to really make it, where, where, where people define you on the type of education that you've had, where people de- define you on the type of job you have, on how successful you are and how much money that you have, this is how people define you. And, and it's a tough world, and it's a stressful world. And, and, and in these times where we're constantly being rejected because we can't perform at a certain level, it's hard, it's hard to find pride in anything, and, it, and it's hard to find acceptance in anything. You know, whenever I'm asked to teach anywhere, my first reaction is, there has to be someone better. There's just, there has to be someone better. When Pastor Rob called me, I'm like, have you tried everybody? <laughs> Are you serious right now? There has to be somebody that went to Bible college. There has to be someone that has years of ministry. Listen, I'm 18. Are you kidding? Anytime I'm asked to teach, I'm like, what the heck? I'm probably the least qualified person in here. Do you have any idea how much I sin? Do you have any idea how stupid I am? These are the thoughts that are going towards my mind. I'm just like, there has to be someone better. There has to be someone with more experience than me. There's going to be no way that I can teach adults. (laughs) What? They'll all stare at me and judge me. uh... You know, that's, that's, that's the world we live in, you know. There's always someone better. 
There's always someone better. And if, and if we let that affect us, if we let that affect the decisions that we make, then we might as well just give up. You know, Peter was a fisherman, probably not because he wanted to be, but because others had told him, Do you know what, man? Sorry. Maybe your babies will be rabbis if you have sons. And so this was Peter, you know, in a culture where Peter has been deemed ill-equipped for ministry. What happens? Jesus comes in and says, follow me. So you can imagine Peter's excitement when he has this rabbi, this teacher, and he says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You can just imagine Peter's mind is blown right now. Are you kidding me? Of course. He dropped his nets immediately. He said, absolutely, I will follow you. In a world where Peter was deemed ill-equipped, not worthy of ministry, Jesus comes in and he says, I accept you. I want you for my ministry. Come follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. Follow me and I will make you become. Meaning that Peter wasn't a fisher of men immediately. He wasn't a fisher of men immediately. But Jesus is going to say, come take my yoke upon you. And do you know what? I'm going to conform you to myself. Just like the rabbis were conforming their students to themselves for their worldviews to copy them. So Jesus would with Peter and the 11 other disciples, come follow me. I will conform you to myself. You will take upon my worldview, my yoke, and you will become fishers of men fishers of men. Jesus was not interested in Peter's education, religious stamina, past failures, future failures. He wasn't interested in that. He was interested in making this man the best that he could possibly be. This was Jesus' interest. He wasn't interested in his past, in Peter's past, though he knew it. He wasn't interested in Peter's education, though he knew. He was interested in Peter's calling. Not his gifts, his calling. What was Peter's calling? Eventually, Peter, we know, was going to be the man that Jesus built his church upon. We see Peter in the uh, first few chapters of Acts. He preaches. 2,000 were added to their numbers. 3,000 were added to their numbers. This is Peter. This fisherman that was told, you're not worthy, dude. Can't do it. This is Peter's first call, was to follow Jesus. This is the first order of business, guys. This is the first order of business. Before Peter did anything else, he was called to follow Christ. Okay? This was his calling. Follow Christ. You see this? It's not just meant for Sundays and Wednesdays. Christian means Christ follower. Right? Christian means Christ follower. How do we follow Christ? Right here. How do we conform ourselves to Christ? Prayer and reading his word. Follow Christ. And then we become fishers of men. Then we become disciple makers. Become a disciple first. Become a disciple first. Come to church. Read. Learn. Find somebody to be under just as Jesus was. Learn. Make mistakes. Learn from those mistakes. Always stay in God's word. Learning about Lord. Learning his will. What's his will for your life? Well, let's see. What's his will for your life? And we know 
guys. I mean, all of us know that it's not easy following Christ, right? It's, it's not always the easiest thing to do, okay? Peter's so excited. It's just like, everything, I have arrived. I have arrived. This is it. A rabbi has chosen me. A rabbi has chosen me. This is it. Everything's going to be perfect from this day forward. Nope. <laughs> Turn to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. Verses 22 is where we're going to start at. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up to a mountain for himself to pray. So Jesus, he's going into a mountain to pray. He's like, yo, disciples, get in the boat, get out of here. Okay. Now, when the evening came, he was alone there, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea. The disciples, they were now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now, on the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear, but immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. This is Peter's second call. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him saying, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. God, if it's you, make me walk on the water and come to you. Because everyone else thinks you're a ghost. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down off the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. In the beginning, he, he began to sink and he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately, Jesus stretched out his hands and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got to the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Beautiful, beautiful picture of the Christian walk. See, we're called to follow Christ. We're called to be in his word, to be following him, to be serving him, okay? And sometimes it seems great, okay? Third times where we feel like we're walking on water. This is it. This is awesome, all right? I'm walking on water right now with Jesus, Look at the power of God that somebody like me, somebody so small, somebody so just ill-equipped, look at, look at how I am walking on water. This is Peter right now. Oh, I'm walking on water. And then, and then you know, he's looking at Jesus. Jesus, look. Jesus, look at me. And then, and then he looks to the left. And then he looks to the right. And he realizes he's walking on water. <laughs> and he's scared. He's scared. He, he sees the wind and he sees the waves and he sees the storm around him. And he's just like, I can't walk on water. There's no way I can walk on water. And what happens? He takes his eyes off Jesus and he sinks. He sinks. This man who, who God has called is sinking. And even Jesus himself said, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Peter, I'm building my church upon you. Why are you doubting me? Peter, why did you doubt me? And so Peter, at this moment, sinking, 
I've done it again. I've messed everything up once again. I'm sinking. This is how I feel all the time. I feel like there are times in my ministry, there's times in my walk with the Lord where I am walking on water. Nobody can stop me. And it's then when I, when I get this mindset where I'm doing it because I'm so awesome. <laughs> what happens then? My eyes are then off Jesus. And I sink. Hardcore. I sink. But I love Peter's faith here. I, I, I love, even though it's, it's still at this infant state with Peter, even though he's still a baby, he's still a kid, he knows the magic words. He knows the magic words. He says, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. What does Jesus do? And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him. Jesus brought him into his arms and caught him and kept him from sinking. Now, I don't know how far away Jesus was. Okay, I don't know if Jesus was all the way to the end there or Jesus was like right here, but when Peter was sinking, he caught him. I don't know if Jesus, you know, being the son of God, had the Superman speed and he just, boom, or, or if he just appeared and he's just like, I got you. Well, guess what? He caught him. He caught him, okay? Peter is imperfect. He's not that great, okay? He isn't. But guess, guess what? Messing up like Peter does, messing up like we do all the time, does not disqualify us from following Jesus. Okay? Messing up does not disqualify us from serving him. Messing up does not disqualify us. We have to remember this. Whereas we always need to be following God and always need to be looking towards him and trying to progress in the faith when we mess up, guys, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that you're not worthy of his ministry. Because ultimately it's Jesus is the one getting glory. Look, at, look. then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, truly you are the Son of God. Truly you are the Son of God. Jesus ultimately is being worshipped. And that's all that matters. Don't disqualify yourself just because you make a few mistakes. I need to remember this all the time. I mess up constantly. And, 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 I, and I just... I, I, I get to this point where I just hide my face and I say, Jesus, I'm s- you should get someone else to lead the junior hires. I'm, so, I'm wretched. I'm imperfect. I screw up. I can't do it. But instead of saying, Lord, I can't do this, I'm sorry. Peter said, Lord, save me. Peter said, Lord, save me. And do you know what Jesus did? He saved him. This is the type of faith that we need to constantly remember. Okay, Don't be afraid because Jesus has got you. Do you know what? Faith faith isn't knowing that you're going to succeed. It's knowing if you don't succeed, Jesus has got you. It's like bungee jumping. Okay, <laughs> You know, you have faith that the bungee cord is going to catch you. You don't have faith that you're going to just take off and fly. Okay? There's a difference between insanity and faith. Insanity, insanity is thinking that you can jump off the bridge and just fly away. Okay? Faith is knowing that you have a bungee cord to catch you. That's faith. And Peter knows this. And this is why I look to Peter 
in just, just the way that God had conformed Peter and the way that God had worked in Peter's life, and I'm encouraged because I feel exactly like Peter. I feel, I feel like all the time I'm not smart enough, okay? I, I didn't, I, you know, I, I didn't go to Bible college, you know, I'm... I'm you know, there's so many people, they're older than me, they're wiser than me, they have more ministry experience than me. You know, who am I to teach these junior high kids? Who am I to teach, you know, in front of you guys? This is how I feel all, all the time. I'm just like, I, I, I'm not worthy. I can't do it. But do you know what? That mentality helps me stay desperate and know that, that Jesus is the one who's going to catch me and Jesus is going to be the one ultimately to proclaim his own name through his word. And he wants to use the imperfect people like you and me to bring glory to himself. Paul, at the end of his ministry, he said, I am the chief of sinners. But if you look, Paul's ministry exploded. Okay? Paul's ministry did nothing but increase throughout his faith. But at the end of his faith, he's like, I'm the chief of sinners. Okay? I am the worst. How can, how can somebody who thought he was the worst achieve so much? It's by the grace of God. The Christian walk is like walking on water and then sinking and then asking Jesus to just pick us up again. Lord, save me. Those are the magic words. Lord, save me. Many count themselves out because they sink. Many just count themselves out of the race. Do you know what? I'm going to stick to my job. I'm just going to I'm going to do what I'm told. I'm going to be in my cubicle and that's it. This is it, you know. I can't I can't expand outside of my office. Because I'm not worthy and I'm too imperfect. I don't know enough about the Lord to do any work for him. I can't disciple other people. Are you kidding me? I can't even, I can't even keep up my own faith. Lord, save me. Instead of Lord, I can't do it. That's what we're supposed to do. And we must establish this type of relationship with Jesus. You know, Peter spent enough time with Jesus to know that if he did sink, Jesus would catch him. Okay. Go to John chapter 21. Peter's rash, ill-tempered, unfaithful, messed up, messed up constantly. Messed up constantly. And can't seem to contain his excitement ever. He denied Jesus three times. Okay? We have to remember this. Peter denied Jesus three times in front of a little girl, in front of other people. How on earth can this man be used by God? I'll show you how. In John chapter 21, verse 15. So when they had eaten breakfast, this is after Jesus had resurrected, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than this fish? Do you love me more than these disciples? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And so Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said it to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you up and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke signifying by... Um, by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. He said, man up and follow me, Peter. 
How was Peter qualified? Do you want want to know what made Peter qualified? It was the restorative power of Jesus Christ. That's what qualified Peter in a ministry. It wasn't anything else. It wasn't any religious stamina that he had. It wasn't any any degree that he had at a certain college. No, it was was the restorative power of Jesus Christ and the calling that he had on Peter's life. This was what qualified Peter onto ministry. Now, realizing this by worldly title, okay, by degree, that's not how we obtain any, any merit from Jesus. That's not how we obtain any calling from Jesus, but it's by his restorative power. What do we do? I want to let you know this morning that expressing a love for Christ, as we see here with Peter, he said, Peter, do you love me? Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said, yes, I love you. Feed my lambs. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Tend my sheep. Expressing a love for Jesus implies serving him and his people. It implies making disciples. We have, we have this call. Matthew chapter 28, 18 through 20. I mean, it is said, all authority has been given to me, heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing the name in the, of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have taught you. Then that I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of this age. We are to make disciples. Expressing love for God implies making disciples. Just as Peter was taken up by Jesus, he took the yoke of Jesus, and just how Jesus accepted Peter, this imperfect man, and said, come follow me, so we are with others. Expressing a love for God implies making disciples. This is our command. Some people take this to a weird, odd, and impersonal level. It's, I, I, I remember talking to this one woman at a prayer meeting, and she said, Darling, I tell you what, darling, I just, I just look up numbers on the phone book. I look up numbers on the phone book, and I dial them, and I, I teach them about Jesus. And do and you know what? They don't really accept it, but at least they're hearing it, you know? That, that's what I'll tell you. That's making disciples. And, you know, I, I'm like, oh, that's nice. <sighs> if somebody had called you just randomly at your work, at your business, and said, Jesus loves you. That's not personal. You, they don't know your name. You don't know their name. You know, I, I love the Harvest Crusades. Beautiful picture of making disciples of all nations. It's beautiful. But, but there's another form of discipleship, and it's personal. It's learning people's names. It's endeavoring to be a part of their lives and investing in their lives. I, a good friend of mine came over for dinner. Um, I believe it was for Easter at, at my family's house. And, you know, my, my grandma, just, just being the way she is, she, uh, you know, she, she wrote names, you know, on each, on each part of the dinner table. Right? And she put like these really extravagant Easter eggs and she put their names on it. And uh, my friend Ethan, he was there. And it was like his first time visiting my family's house. And, and at the end of it, you know, at the end of the entire, you know, whole thing that we did, he's like, I can't believe she put my name on that Easter egg. And, and, and that was the one thing he kept saying. I was just, I can't believe that she would do that. She, she put my name on that table with all the other family. And there's there this there's this personal, you know, where it, it's it surprises people when you're personal. 
It surprises people when, when you decide to enter into their lives and help them and serve them. This is, you know, my junior hires, they're, they're, they're starting, they're starting um, clubs, Christian clubs in all of the schools, okay? And, and do you know what the first thing I told them? Do you know what? You can, you can go and you can just start blurting out Jesus' name everywhere. And do you know what? It, it can be received by a couple people and that'd be mm, awesome. But do you know what I really want you to do? I want you to go into the classrooms and serve the teachers. I want you to clean up those classrooms. I want you to scrape the gum off, okay? I want you to go and tell the teacher after class, hey, you did a great job. I want, I want you to go and help people carry their books to their classes. I want you to help people. I want you to invest in their lives. I want you to learn their names, get their phone numbers, friend them on Facebook, and then ask them to hang out. That's, that's what I want you to do because do you know what? Making disciples is personal, this is what Jesus did. He took, he took 12 men and, and he lived with them. He lived with them and he poured into their lives. And do you know what they knew? If they sank, Jesus was right there. Jesus says, feed my lambs, raise my children. Raise my children. He says, tend my sheep, guide my people. Guide them, show them, point them in the right direction. Love on them, hug them. Let them know that Christ loves them through your love. And then feed my sheep, teach my people. I'm going to tell you something. To be missional is to be relational. To be missional is to be relational. This is the call that we have to make disciples of all nations. I want you to endeavor to pour into people's lives. We, we come in here every Sunday and we listen to Pastor Rob. And he feeds us all this knowledge and all this word, and it's beautiful. We, we, we are to take what Pastor Rob teaches us. We are to take what we read in our word by following Jesus. We're to take what we learn. We're to take upon that yoke. And do you know what? We're to impart it on others, and we're to make disciples. That's our call. And a lot of us, well, I'm too busy to make disciples, or I'm not worthy to make disciples. You know, I don't know enough. I'm too young of a Christian. You know, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure how this entire thing works. You know what? Follow God and make disciples. Peter wasn't that qualified either. The only thing that qualified Peter was that he followed Jesus. I'm not smart enough. I'm, I'm, I'm not successful enough. People won't listen to me. No, no. Everything comes from following Jesus. And the fruits of following Jesus is going to be the disciples, the people that you raise up, the people that you invest in their lives. You know, they're going to see Jesus in you. And that's going to be the fruit of what you've learned. This is how the church expands. And this is how the word is, is, is spread. It's through relationship. It's through relationship. You know, and, and it's not just going to bless them. It's not just going to bless them. I'll tell you what. Teaching in the junior high ministry, teaching in the junior high ministry has ministered to me more than it's ministered to them. When, when, I, when I get to pick these kids up from school or you know, when, I get to, when I get to go to camps with them and when I get to pray with them and I get to teach them and I get to teach them how to do ministry and, and when I see them, you know, some of my junior hires have taught entire services in the junior hire group. When I, when I see that, when I see the fruit of discipleship and, and when I see them praying with one another and not just, not just a leader, when I see them praying with one another and, 
and I see them, you know, organizing games, and, you know, I, I see them loving each other, and I see them playing with each other, and it is the best feeling I've ever gotten in my walk with the Lord. Watching those kids worship the Lord, watching those kids raise their hands in worship to the Lord, watching them sing, listening to their voices proclaim God's name, that is a bigger blessing to me than any other experience I've had with the Lord. Because it's the fruit of, of you pouring your life out into somebody else and you, and you see it blossom. You're planting a seed and the Lord's watering it. No, no, sorry. Jesus plants the seed and you water it. And I'm telling you, your mind will be blown. It doesn't matter how old you are, whether, whether you're too young or you feel like you're too old. It doesn't matter how successful you are by worldly standards. No, you, you need to pour into somebody and watch how the Lord works in people's lives. Listen, we have kids. We have middle school. We have high school. We have college. We have men's. We have women's. We have sunshiners. We have, we have missionaries. We have family groups. We have all of these ministries that... that People come, new believers come, and they're just like, if somebody would just show me. I'm, everybody's yapping at me. Everybody's telling me. I want somebody to show me. I want somebody to come alongside me. My dad is the best. Uh, he, he's the biggest influence in my life, period. And he was amazing at discipling me. He didn't just yak my ear off like, Jesus, 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 Jesus. You know, I, it's just, you know, so many people do that where they're just like, and I'm just like, I'm a 10-year-old kid, and I'm just like, too much, too much, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> you know, because, you know, for a 10-year-old boy, you know, it's like, you don't, you don't really want to learn as much as you want to start doing things, right? My dad took me places, he played volleyball with me, and then, you know, he, he made everything, and everything tied into the gospel. And one of the best things I remember, he probably doesn't even remember this, but he took me to downtown Santa Barbara, and he showed me all of the homeless population, and he showed me where all, all the people went to go get scores of drugs, and he said, this is what sin looks like. That's what the, the children need. They need people to disciple them. Jesus says, feed my lambs feed my lambs show them don't just tell them show them i remember so much that that i've had youth pastors you know i i remember some of their teachings and and do you know what it's all built up and i have this knowledge because of all their teaching but the specific moments i remember are the ones where they they took me to lunch they took me somewhere fun and and they and they taught the Bible to me one-on-one, not just corporately. Come here and get fed and pour out and feed others. That's what I'm going to leave you with. And so we're going to have the worship team come up for one last song, I believe. And one thing I want to leave with you guys is to be, to be missional is to be relational. You are qualified because of Jesus. Jesus makes you qualified. It's by no worldly standard. And thank you so much for having me. I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, we, we, we come before you, Lord, humbled, and we desire you. We desire you, 
Lord. And, and I pray, God, that, that you would continually show us your grace, Lord, so that we can show it to others, God. May, may we, as a church, come alongside those that are broken, those that need you the most, and disciple them according to your word, Lord. Father, thank you so much for your grace, Lord, and thank you so much that, that when the world says that we're not accepted, you come in and you accept us and you embrace us, Lord, and you save us. God, I pray a blessing over these people, Lord. May they go out and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That, that God, we pray, Lord, that you would be with us and that you would help us, Lord, and that, that it would be all from you, Lord, and not any of our works, Lord, but your works, God. And so we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.